It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. This is, once again, your Estate Planning Essentials radio and podcast program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KAAM Radio and co-host of this fine program, which is seeking to wisely protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my friend, my attorney, who I say every show should be your attorney, objectively, our Dallas estate planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. And today, it's a very interesting topic. It's a heavy topic because we want to talk about, I don't know if they're calling it the RMA, but I am because that's how I'm referring to it right now. But Respect for Marriage Act was just passed recently, and uh, you wanted to address that today for the audience. This is not to be a statement pro or con against the Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, This is really just kind of from a planner's perspective, uh, what does this mean uh, as far as, you know, same-sex uh, marital rights or interracial marital rights from a planning perspective? Uh, so I, this is not, uh, I'm not trying to be political here. Um, this is, you know, first of all, I guess we have to explain what the Act does um, and why it came about. Um the, it, what it does, it really kind of strengthens the protection for same-sex marriage and interracial marriages. Uh, now states are forced to recognize a legal marriage of a same-sex couple if it was performed in another state. So, um, so even though they had the federal decision, I guess it's been about seven years ago or not, uh, the Supreme Court had recognized same-sex marriages, it doesn't mean that every state um, had been sued or whatever to uh, recognize same-sex marriages. So for, I know like, for example, Louisiana, uh, and I'm not licensed in Louisiana, so I don't know if anything has changed, but I know for a long time, uh, Louisiana did not recognize a same-sex marriage from another state. So if you move from Texas, which has uh, recognized same-sex marriages to Louisiana, then you, they wouldn't recognize the rights uh, as a, they wouldn't say that that was a valid marriage. It would not have the rights uh, for that same-sex marriage or that a marital couple might otherwise have. Uh, so what the Re- Respect for Marriage Act now would require Louisiana or whoever, whatever state did not, uh, might not have recognized same-sex marriages, uh, even if that person was, it was legal in another state to recognize that. It also repealed the Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, during the Clinton administration, there was the bill that said 
a marriage is between a man and a woman only. And so this repealed that act. Now, all this came about uh, because there was a lot of um, eye-opening, I guess, when they did the repeal of Roe v. Wade, the abortion decision earlier this summer, uh, Justice Thomas said that the due process arguments that had been made, like on is there a constitutional right to an abortion, uh, is the philosophy of due process should also be reviewed. Is there a constitutional right for a same-sex marriage or an interracial marriage? And he suggested that those things should be reviewed. This caused a lot of um, uh, angst, I suppose. Uh, and so there was immediately a bill to have this uh, Respect for Marriage Act and to overturn the uh, the decisions of the, Def- the Defense of Marriage Act uh, so that uh, that there would be more, promote more equality. But then that also gets into the religious rights issues uh, because, you know, a lot of, uh, is that going to affect who does somebody have to, does a church have to have some accommodations or something special for uh, perform same-sex marriages? Do they lose their tax-exempt status? Do vendors have to, uh, uh, you know, do something for a same-sex marriage. There was a well-known case where a baker uh, did not want to take the wedding cake for a same-sex marriage. Does that mean that those rights, uh, religious rights, would be affected? And so there was this kind of there two different sides, the, right. those who say, hey, hey, should we believe in the same-sex marriage? And on the other hand, is there religious uh, rights? Will that religious freedoms be affected? by the decision. And so that's, and, and usually the two sides uh, could not, uh, they just said, okay, this is what we think, and this is what we think, and there was no compromise uh, between the different um, views. And so there was a, uh, in this particular uh, way it passed, at least in the Senate, uh, the end of November, was um, that they said, okay, don't worry, you're not going to lose uh, your religious freedoms. You're not going to um, have, um, you don't have to, the pastor or minister doesn't have to uh, perform a uh, religious uh, same-sex marriage. Vendors, you're not going to be affected, um, and uh, you're not going to lose your tax-exempt status. You know, there's a lot of, not only churches, but there's lots of schools, of course, universities, colleges, whatever, uh, even, you know, elementary schools or whatever that are uh, religious-based, and there was a lot of concern that if they didn't accommodate uh, others, that, you know, that affects their religious rights. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and there's still a lot of people who are still concerned about that. And, you know, whatever we talk about here today, uh, you know, how things have changed over time, and I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but... Really, that's what the bill was all about. And so you have to say, well, gee, how does that, from a planner's perspective, how does that affect if there is, we'll just say, the same-sex marriage? How does that affect? Because this really was mostly on federal rights, federal laws. Uh, So state laws may be different. So if it's in Louisiana, it may be different as to what those things that they recognize. 
uh, versus because if they didn't recognize same-sex marriage, it would be uh, it would be just on the federal uh, level and not anything state. Uh, so you have to kind of look at each state, and it might be different, but there are certain things that are federally that will affect it. So, for example, uh, you know, if you're married and there's one spouse uh, that's getting Social Security, uh, then a lot of times the uh, spouse, the other spouse, if you the first spouse dies, then they may get be entitled to, let's say, the higher of the two Social Securities. If they're not married, well, they don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if if you uh, have a federal uh, a retirement plan, some sort of like a 401k, 401k is a retirement plan, a lot of times sponsored by employers, but it's based on federal law. Again, uh, your spouse might be a uh, beneficiary uh, that you would otherwise uh, not be enti- have some entitlement to. Uh, on the state taxes, uh, on estate taxes, usually when you're married, you have an unlimited marital deduction. In other words, when you give to a spouse, there's no taxation that gets you on the second one to die. So if you're not married, well, then you got the issue of uh, possible potential, although the estate tax limit's pretty great right now, potential uh, estate tax issues if you're versus single versus married. So that makes a difference, and also on what you can give. Uh, you know, let's say that you had um, a child. Uh, maybe let's say that the same-sex couple had adopted a child. Uh, well, and if you wanted to make gifts um, right now, the as we talked about, or maybe have talked about on a prior show, that the annual exclusion is $16,000 a year that you give without there being any gift tax. Uh, so let's say you were had a child that was, what doesn't make any difference, you could give up to $16,000 a year per person, but I suppose, uh, and it's going to go up to 17000 on January 1st, uh, but I guess if you were going to give to a child or a grandchild, um, you know, it depends on whether that person recognizes a child or a grandchild. Uh, if you had a grandchild, I suppose it won't make any difference on uh, how, because you can always make gifts per year per person, I guess it would be more on a 520 or a Family Leave Act type situation. So mm-hmm. let's say you adopted a child under the Family Leave Act, you could stay away from, the, you don't have to go back to work for a certain period of time uh, if you have to care for a child. So mm-hmm. it's a federal law, and since it's a federal law, then uh, this would affect whether you're single or married. Um so that's that's an important issue uh, as well. Uh, the um, amount that could, you know, a lot of times you could, with the state, when you're married, uh, you could double the exemptions by different type of planning. And so if you had a couple that you could kind of double the exemption. Now, the exemption right now for when you die is pretty high. <laughs> it's $12 million. 60,000. So most people won't be affected by this, uh, but it can go up to, it's, and it's supposed to go up to 12920000 as of January 1st. But it's supposed to go back down, but in any event, you could double the exemption, whether it's going to be $12 million or $7 million, as it'll probably be something like that in 2026. Whatever, either way, you could do some planning on the people who have larger estates 
uh, if they're married versus if you're single. Uh, so, so that is affected as well. Um, and then uh, also um, uh, health insurance. So a lot of times employers, you have the health insurance on a federal, uh, let's say through an employer, it's uh, governed by ERISA. If it is, well, then health insurance can be afforded to a spouse that you might not otherwise have. So then it gets into, uh, now I should mention that the, uh, the act does not specifically says we don't recognize polygamous marriages. Uh, mm-hmm. So we don't want to get too, uh, too, um, but you know what, anything could happen in the future. And that's, uh, that's what, you know, whatever the laws are today, again, I can't tell you uh, what the laws are going to be in the future mm-hmm. 50 years from now, except for I know it'll be different than they are today. I mean, when you think about just the monumental thing about how do we thought about um, whether you like it or not, whether the rights uh, or uh, the right to abortion uh, or not to have abortion, you know, uh, uh, that's, you know, electric issue, I realize, but it's it's been one of those things that for for now the last however many decades one way it went one way and then it went another way mm-hmm. and so uh, the laws will change and as we think about culture will change uh, just think about the views here the Defense of Marriage Act was in uh, just in the Clinton administration which wasn't that long ago uh, and you could see how things have changed now so a lot of times it's going to be <laughs> what party is in in charge and what the views are those days and anything could be affected. So we see what happens in our state legislature. We're seeing different things that go on. And so uh, one side or the other side may be unhappy. Uh, and, uh, and and what all, all I could say is whatever I tell you today could change in the future because it's all a matter of politics a lot of times. Right. And that's what I understand too. I re- When I read this, um, what was clear to me was that the Respect for Marriage Act did not require any state to legalize same-sex marriages, which means then if they already have laws in place, um, like being anti-abortion, um, that those laws would stand. Is that what you understood as well? Yeah, I mean, so, yes, yeah, so there's still states, right? Now, they, the state could be sued, and that's, you know, to say, well, there's, you know, is there these rights, let's say, to uh, same-sex marriages? So... Uh, initially, um, I'm sure a lot of states like Texas uh, originally were not uh, in favor of same-sex marriages. Right. Uh, I mean, and also I should even mention the interracial marriage issue that Justice Thomas brought up. Uh, used to be a law in Texas many years ago that you could not have a marriage between two different races. Right. Uh, over time, of course, that changed, and and I think the same thing is looks like the same thing is happening on the same-sex marriage, uh, of course, every state is different. And I think in Texas there was a lawsuit, and finally they decided that, yes, there is the rights uh, uh, as a result of the federal or the Supreme Court decision, the Obergefell decision, I think it was in 2015, that uh, that there was this same-sex marital rights. Mm-hmm. That was pretty monumental, uh, just like the overturning of Roe versus Wade was pretty monumental. And so a lot of times I think these elections on who gets to choose Supreme Court justices may make a difference on 
uh, what the laws may be. <laughs> uh, so. I, I don't disagree at all. And this is, it's now, um, it's not even a balanced Supreme Court. I think it's six to three conservative versus progressive or liberal, whatever you want to call them. And that creates uh, favor for certain conservatives and organizations over others. And if this goes to the Supreme Court, I don't think it can or will. You're the expert here. But if it did, that would um, give the conservatives the nod, I would imagine. You know, um, this is not a complete one way or another type thing. Mm -hmm. The decision uh, on the, the, it just was a way to say, hey, we're scared about what Justice Thomas's comments are, Mm -hmm. and we want to promote equality. And, but on, you know, on the other hand, uh, the religious view is, gee, um, hey, don't, Take away my rights either, right? And so I don't want. I have just because I have a certain religious belief. Don't 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 mess with me on that, uh, you know. So uh, so there has to be this kind of a balancing act. And at least prior to the Respect for Marriage Act, there was no compromise, right? And so here there was some compromise, but it's a long way from saying that you know every state has to do this or that. Every state has their own um, laws, and right. it may not. So just because you're an employer, if you're not work, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have different, there's certain employment laws that are uh, based, mostly based on federal law. But I imagine uh, there are others. Uh, I'm not an employment lawyer, but there's other things like in Texas, let's say, uh, the right to uh, fire somebody at will. Um, those laws may not be affected by um, the laws of the federal law, the federal right. law. So, but whereas, you know, whereas the um, here in the Family Leave Act or retirement accounts that are under 401ks uh, or uh, things like that, uh, those are things that are uh, based on federal law. And so things that are on federal law are affected uh, by the legislation, but not uh anything that's on the state, except that whatever the state does is up to the state. And then it gets to the question, will the state be sued? And that gets into the questions about the religious freedoms. Uh, what is it that we want? Uh, and so, you know, it's a balancing act, and I'm sure this is not the end. I just I think when you use the word compromise, I think that's where a lot of staunch conservatives and Christians stand on it, because they don't want to compromise when it comes to the Bible. And what the Bible dictates, and I think that's what it was the almost the Constitution versus the Bible, or the Senate versus the Bible. And as you also said, things change over time, culturally, socially, politically, and this is where we are today, whether people applaud or, or reject that. I understand the Respect for Marriage Act does not require any state to legalize same-sex marriages like we talked about. It does require states to recognize same-sex marriages performed legally in other states. Um, it lets religious organizations decline to participate in gay weddings, which is interesting. does not resolve the conflict, however, over whether religious organizations can be required under the law to recognize same-sex marriages in certain circumstances. So, Michael, can a church-connected foster agency refuse to place children with same-sex couples? I don't yeah, know. I mean, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be, um, yes. a lot of these things are going to be, tested. Yeah. Uh, but they're trying to say that, 
hey, if you have certain religious beliefs, you don't have to do, uh, you don't have to be forced to, because uh, that's not, that may not be based on a federal law. Right. Uh, and so I think that they don't have to do that, I mm-hmm. wouldn't think. No, I would tend to agree with that. Similar or in that vein is that it doesn't resolve the conflict over whether private businesses can be forced to provide goods and services for gay weddings, for example. Um, yeah, yeah. So services like wedding cakes, invitations, floor arrangements, et cetera, that, that too will complicate it, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, like we were saying earlier, there was a famous, uh, I think, a well-known case about the baker who had strong religious beliefs right. that he did not want to bake for a gay wedding. Jack Phillips and, in Colorado, where we have one of where we have four radio stations, we know all about it. Ah, okay. Well, they, mm-hmm. he wasn't forced to do that, and mm-hmm. I don't think that this law is going to change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether you're uh, a, a gay wedding or a kosher uh, caterer, uh, I don't think it's going to. Uh, I don't think it's going to affect them. Uh, it's it, because, it, again, religious rights uh, are still there, I think. Now, a lot of people think that it's not strong enough to protect those religious freedoms, uh, and maybe it will be tested, and we'll see if it is or it isn't. Uh, I'm sure there will be cases, as there always are. Uh, but right now, the way that the act is written, those just like the caterer, uh, the wedding cake, he was not forced to uh, make the cake for something that was against his religious beliefs. And I don't, personally, I don't think that that will change by this law. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, at least that was the intent of the compromise, it seemed, by the majority. And now when I say majority, it wasn't just Democrats, it was Democrats and some Republicans. Right. The Republicans didn't, didn't think it was, uh, went far enough, though, to give more protections for religious freedoms, particularly. Uh, the senator from Utah, uh, because the Church of Latter-day Saints, uh, Latter-day Saints was uh, was against this uh, proposal or uh, this uh, refusal to marriage act. Uh, So, uh, so and and our senators from Texas also were opposed to, they didn't think it went far enough for protection of religious uh, freedom. But uh, other Others uh, thought that it had gone far enough because there was a specific language that says this is not going to affect any tax-exempt status. Nobody's going to lose their uh, force to be give to, you know, vendors do not have to do something against their religious beliefs. So uh, so as a result of that, uh, that's why you had some, some bipartisan support, or at least enough, uh, much more than the majority. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. The high court in Colorado voted seven to two in favor of Phillips, saying that um, the Civil Rights Commission has overstepped its legal limits, which seems like the right decision. I think both you and I agree with that. Ironically, Phillips is in court again, and now it's because he chose to not bake a cake for uh, people celebrating a, tra- a gender transition. <laughs> So he's, he uh, refuses to compromise, to use the phrase again, and uh, here we go again. I don't know what it cost him to defend himself and his values and beliefs, but I'm sure it was a lot of money. So, I mean, he lost the battles but won the war, but now he's got a, a new war going on, and um, we have to respect him for that because I, I think that kicked in just uh, recently in the, in the last few months. But um, 
These are complicated situations for people, and um, Michael is there to answer the questions. He's not taking a political stance today, and he won't when he meet with you at the workshop, which is coming up shortly, and he won't when he meets with you for that vision meeting after you attend Michael's workshop. You should, so you can get these questions answered. Any questions that you have about your state planning or government assistance, he's very bright. He's very insightful. He doesn't read anything. He, well, he reads about it, but then he memorizes it, either naturally. I don't even know if he has a photographic memory, but he's sure Seems like he does. I don't, but he does. But nevertheless, this is why he's my attorney and should be yours. And to demonstrate why, you should attend his next estate planning essentials workshop, which is Tuesday, December the 13th at 10 o'clock. And Michael, uh, we've got about three, four minutes left. Tell him about the workshop, if you could, please. Sure. Well, we ask people what they want to know. Now, I might add, nobody's really ever asked me a question about uh, the same-sex marriage rights and things right. like that. I just thought right. it was topical because of the recent um, act. Sure. Uh, but I ask people what they want to know, and we've been doing these workshops for 10 years, so mm-hmm. uh, I ask people what they want to know. And it's free. It's free estate planning essentials workshop. So we ask whatever it is we want to know. Is it about wills? Is it about trust? Is it about uh, taxation issues in connection with that? Uh, is it about... Um, Medicaid. Uh, I didn't even go into some of the different rights, the state rights that uh, could be affected uh, that have joint programs. But in any event, the, there could be all sorts of different things that people ask. I have no idea uh, what questions people are going to ask, and every single workshop is different as a result because the questions are different. We do have a presentation as well, uh, so it gives the basics about usually about state planning and Medicaid things that people really often ask about. So um, to to attend that free estate planning essentials workshop, which is two hours, like you mentioned, on the next one being on December the 13th, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or again, call that number at 214 Seven two zero zero one zero two. It's live. It's in our conference center of our building, uh, and which is near uh, Medical City Hospital. If you know where that is, uh, that's uh, close to LBJ off uh, Central Expressway near Forest. Uh, and if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, you get a couple of extra bonuses. Uh, the first bonus is you get one additional free hour. Uh, just looking at your individual situation. Of course, in the workshop, you're going to learn about other people's situation. You're going to learn more. Uh, there's no obligation at either the workshop or even to come to a free vision meeting, as we call it. So you get three free hours of getting your questions asked without any obligation. If you don't want to do anything, that's fine. We just look at your situation kind of go for So you have really nothing to lose, uh, again, by just calling that 214-720-0102 number. The other benefit that I that of course that oh boy. Uh, Don knows very well. Yeah, this is you know it's getting to be Christmas time, and oh people are wondering what they should give their loved one. Well, we got the solution. Now, this is what people are really going for. It's not the three free hours of legal no, education. Definitely obligation. <laughs> yeah, not that. They go for the free K A A M coffee mugs. That's right. 
you go to the blog workshop, you get a free KU of LA and coffee mug. I think that's the reason why people often go, they don't want the three hours of free legal education and what that value would be. You know what I think? I think this is the most exciting part of any program you do, and that is to promote the Kinder <laughs> William coffee mugs. It allows you to, to almost make fun of me, which I think is quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> so attend Michael's next workshop, free coffee mugs, free cookies, coffee, donuts, you name it, and an invaluable education on estate planning and anything you want to ask him. It's on Tuesday, December the 13th at 10 o'clock. Call 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. We're out of time, Michael. Thank you so much for today's education, sir. Thank you, and happy holidays to all. The record shows I took the blows And did it Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.